Okay, guys, listen up. Seltzer is all the rage these days, and now there's even hard seltzer. Speaking of which, have you tried Bud Light Seltzer? so good. It's seltzer with a hint of fruit flavor. And get this, it's only 100 calories, two grams of carbs, and less than one gram of sugar. Plus, it's gluten-free. It's perfect for when my friends are bugging me to have a drink with them, and I don't want hard alcohol. I can just have my Bud Light seltzer. Thank you very much. I'm obsessed with the black cherry, but it also comes in strawberry, lemon lime, and mango. I mean, make that sound better. I bet you want to try them all right now, right? This is making me extremely thirsty. Bud Light Seltzer, unquestionably good. Okay, guys, I want to talk to you about a product called Works, W-O-R-X. Uh, This is a really cool little tool. It's like eight tools in one. And basically, it reinvents lifting and hauling. They've got this thing called the Aero Cart. And they actually sent us one before I knew they were going to be on the podcast. So I thought Heidi ordered it. And I was like, this is really cool. (laughs) Heidi goes, oh, my God, did you order me that? And I was like, no, I didn't order you that. And um, it's awesome. It's great for, like, anybody who does yard work, gardening. I mean, honestly, whether you're moving your refrigerator or you need a wheelbarrow for bricks, this thing can do it all. A dolly, a wheelbarrow, a trailer mover. It's incredible. And it's got this patented turbo lift technology that basically makes lifting 200 pounds feel like you're lifting 17. Uh, It has these like two oversized wheels that essentially allow awkward loads to stay balanced. So you never strain your back. You don't get injured. Uh, super, super cool. You can move it all, lift it all, haul it all. See the new Works AeroCart in action at works.com. Just go to aerocart.com, enter the promo code Jillian at the checkout, and you'll receive 10% off plus free shipping. That's AeroCart, A-E-R-O-C-A-R-T.com, and you'll receive 10% off. You're listening to The Jillian Michaels Show. And now, Jillian Michaels. Ah, Manis. Yes, Jillian. Something horrible happened to me. Oh, dear. What? Heidi. (laughs) (laughs) You You know what? Dude, what happened? Everything horrible that happens to me. And everything good, too. You have to look at the other side of things. Do you know? Okay. Dude, what? All right. What happened? Okay. Nicole actually witnessed this with her own eyes. All right. You know, I'm a farmer. I'm like the Beverly Hills hillbillies, right? You know this. We have a... And we add creatures on a daily basis. There's a turtle someone found in the road that's now living in the koi pond... There's six chickens that just make their way into the house and shit everywhere. There's freaking, you know. There's a pig. There's, there's dogs. A, pig, a new dog. four dogs. There's six horse. It's just, it's just out of control. So, and bees. There's and bees. And you have the bees. Bees. So, anyway. We've got these bees, okay? And we've had them for a year and a half. And it's been a saga. Because I don't know if you know, but bees are disappearing all over the world. Absolutely. They bring yeah. bees in all the time. Yeah. And they're expensive. Mm-hmm. Expensive little buggers. It's like $2,000 a hive. Okay? 
Yeah. I didn't we actually did a whole thing about it on the show, and we ended up not having time for it. It was pretty funny. But so, so Heidi has... We've spent a fortune, okay, building a platform for the beehives, right. obtaining the hives, you know, keeping the hives. Got the beekeeper who's like an active, organic Ukrainian beekeeper, and the, he uses mold and fungus to get the mites off of the bee. It's a whole freaking thing, okay? okay? So I've been going through this for a year and change. Mind you... We would go in the backyard, and it's like some spider would do a little web, and the ants would crawl up the web. They'd wipe out the hive. And then we begin again. Then the hives would swarm. They wouldn't die. They would just leave. They would egg. They would evacuate Bikara. They would go away. And this is after like building them a little. You know, there's a fountain in the back for water. There's all different kinds of plants. They're all organic, and they would leave. And I said to Heidi, I'm like, you know, you're losing. Like you're losing, and she's she's like, it's not a competition. I was like, it is a competition. And no, it's a- no, it's not. It's not a competition for Hyde. It's a competition for you, and you're upset because you like to compete. Well, do you know and how much fact- money it would cost me for these bees to just up and go? Well, maybe they, maybe they. Two thousand dollars just flew away. No, that, okay, all right. I'm gonna let it go. Well, to make okay. a very long story short, I'm deep in the bee investment. Okay, yeah. I'm all the way in. Okay, and forever. Okay, we've been in this forever, and we've had all kinds of issues that I've had to step in. We had to get a different kind of queen. I believe that we brought the Italians in because we had Russians, and the Russians were too passive, actually. They were bees from Russia? Yeah, Russian bees. So we had to bring the Italian bees in. Because they're lovers, not fighters. Well, no, Mussolini. Oh, there's Mussolini, but that was a while ago. So they were more aggressive. Okay. But then one of the hives mated with a local bee... Because Malibu's very, you know, um, laid back. Well, but they were African. So now they're a little more aggressive. Okay. But they're doing well, which goes to show, right? The ones that are more aggressive are thriving. you got the friggin' United Nations of bees in your backyard. I know. Okay. And it's taken me a long time to cultivate this. Yeah, okay. So I'll have you know that I got dragged into this begrudgingly. Now, after a year and four months, the Ukrainian beekeeper... Who sells windows and doors on the side. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And by the way, he will tell you that bees are a panacea for everything. If you chew bee wax, beeswax, you'll never need to brush your teeth. If you eat bee pollen, you'll have many babies. If you wow. have the bee bread, you'll be, you know, the best athlete in the world. If you have the honey, you never get sick. It goes on and on and on, yeah. right? So anyway. All right, so Vadim, the Ukrainian beekeeper who sells windows and doors on the side, and I always need to engage in a conversation about windows and doors, even though I don't need any. Every single time Vadim well, comes Well, you know, up. he wants me, obviously, to sell you one or two. You might, you might. Maybe maybe it's a pitch. But I don't need, I don't need. Does, you know what, sometimes we don't need things and we just want to support each other. Just, I'm just saying that Vla, Vla, pay, Vladimir you know how might. much Vadim charges an hour? How much? 250 bucks. Ooh. Okay, never mind. I'm not buying no fucking doors. No wonder you... I should get a door <laughs> as my bonus prize. Okay, Vadim. And then what I the... said, I said, why is he $250? And Heidi said, because Danger. nobody does what he does. Yes. And it's... I said, there's many beekeepers out there. And she said, not organic ones. They use chemicals. And I said, well, what? What do you mean they use chemicals? I don't know. So Vadim uses some sort of fungus to get the mites off of the bee. I don't know. Yeah, anyway, he's I a think... lot of money. So... I think Vadim's selling you more than... That's what I said. Yeah. Needless to say, though, right here we are. Now, we finally are able to pull out some frames in the hive that are filled with honey. Yes. Okay? 
And I'm like, oh my God, here we are. It's been 18 months and we finally are going to get honey. Yeah. Okay. I say to Heidi, I go, she brings the frame in the house. And I go, well, what the fuck? How am I supposed to eat that? You just lick, she wanted you just to lick it, the, lick the frame? Well, I said, how am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? And she said, well, Vadim said we could pay him to extract it, but I'm going to do it. And I said, and the bee, then there was no one. This is just a, a bee-less frame. Like the bees aren't still, honey. It's now it's, it's a honey, honey, a frame of honey. No, nothing's in it. Okay, we, you good. remove it from the hive. Yeah. So it's a frame of honey. It's honey in the comb, right? Honeycomb, yeah. which is beeswax. And uh, and I was like, okay, mind your beeswax. Have you ever heard of that term? Mind your beeswax. Yeah. Okay. Well, so Heidi brings in I the said. frame of the three of them. And so I said, well, why just have Vadim extract it? No, I'm gonna do it. Okay. I said, based upon what expertise? <laughs> it can't be that hard. I'm like, it, we've spent 18 months to get three frames of honey, and I don't want to tell you how much money, and you're going to do it. Yes, I am. That seems to be a common phrase around the Jillian Michaels household. It can't be that hard. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, let me tell you what just, happened. Just, it seems to be something you say a lot. Okay. Heidi yeah. buys a honey extractor Okay. off of like ebay okay it looks like a child built it in 1955 to launch a bottle rocket okay. it's like this ramshackle piece of tin it's like this cylindrical thing with a crank she and my friend ashley who who's in town from new york she and my friend ashley are sitting there in the living room trying to assemble this oh thing. you did it in the living room oh i'm not done okay i'm not done i'm not sure if that's often where b people would make their honey in the living room but that's yeah i'm not done okay so she's trying to assemble it and she's like i don't know i'm not sure i'm gonna ask vadim if i've assembled this thing right i'm like okay weeks go by the honey is sitting on the counter leaking everywhere i then turn around i'm like oh my god so i wrap it right and and i I wrap it in like tinfoil and i'm like all right So it's making a mess. You know, I don't like things that are messy. No. I don't like things that are sticky. Everything's sticky and messy. And it's just... So now Heidi goes out of town for spring break with the kids to visit her parents. And Vadim comes. And he's like, I'm going to show you how to extract the honey. And I was like, I don't want to extract the honey. <laughs> I want you to extract the honey. And he's like, no, 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 no. I promised I'd show Heidi how to extract the honey. Heidi, who's not there. Right. Nicole's there. Cody is there. My other assistant. Right? Now... Nicole, Cody, and I are in the living room with Vadim. And I go, well, it's leaking everywhere. And he goes, because you stormed the f- stored the frames upside down. Oh, dear. Which, again, Exhibit A. This is why we should have... We What would it have cost for him to extract the honey? We're in this so deep. What, 100 bucks? Mm-hmm. So we spent all this money to get three frames of honey. But she doesn't even know. So I'm like, okay. So we peel back the tinfoil on one of the frames. Would you like to know what I saw? Um, probably some like um, some something not nice. I don't tell think. her. Tell her what we saw. I saw little like larva bugs. Maggots. No, I was they were s- like wormy though. Like, Wax worms. Long worm, longer. Wax worms. Is that what Adim said they were? Vadim. Vadim. Sorry. Ukrainian <laughs> beekeeper who sells windows, windows and doors. And doors. Yes, and then he ate them. Didn't he, Nicole? He did while she was watching. He just ate the the the, the, lar- bugs, the yeah. larva. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're good for you. What are they good for? Uh, something probably to do with vitality. Right, that. 
and and violin somehow. I just can see it would make you be able to play the violin. Mm-hmm. Vadim. Yeah, Heidi's not there. I've now no, got she's she's a honey pool. I've got a maggot infestation. Now I've got two other frames of honey that are not polluted, despite the fact that they have been leaking because they've been stored incorrectly. He puts them in the rocket launcher in the living room. I might add you, and he goes, "Well, normally this is supposed to have a motor, so you can crank it faster, right, to get the honey out. So you scrape the comb. It has a motor. It makes the whole thing spin, and the honey goes swinging out. Okay. 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 And it's got to be bolted into the floor. Uh oh. So." He starts cranking this thing, and honey is dripping everywhere. Was it not? I'm dying. Everywhere. Everywhere. He's cranking this thing in the living room. Cody and Nicole are looking at me. My, I'm like, oh my god, there's honey all over the floor, and I have a million things to do, mind you. I've got 150,000 emails, phone calls, all kinds of things that need to get done, and instead, I'm extracting honey in this antiquated torture device. Yeah. Okay, and. It scratches the floor because it's not bolted down. It's moving around, which this is why the farmhouse is... is um, there's benefits to that house not being quite up to snuff because then I don't get upset about it. And uh, it, it, so it, now it, I don't know what to do with it because yeah. now the the frames need to drain in the cylinder. And I'm like, well, I can't put this outside. I mean, animals will get to it. Animals will get to it? <laughs> You said animals will get to it. Animals, you savage. Okay. Animals will get animals, to it. Animals, yes. So that's I'm true. storing it in the cl- the closet in the hall, the hall closet. In the co- which normally where would you put in their coats? Yeah. Yeah. Good. I've got a four foot cylinder that's two feet wide. Okay. In the hall closet. And Heidi, to this day, is like, oh, I gotta wash that out. No. Yeah. And it's still there? Is there a larvae in it? I said, can you please remove the frames in case there's more wax moths in there? So guess who didn't deal with it? Um, Heidi? And guess who did? Oh, would that be Jillian? Right, because she wanted to save $100 instead of protecting our investment that was thousands of dollars. And Janice, do I even need to say that I'm too famous? this i this is true but what i want to know is did you get even a jar of honey out of all this 12 small jars oh you did get some honey mm, yeah jake do you think you could try heidi yeah yeah tell me when mushball oh it's been hello aha Ah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Go ahead, Janice. Ask her if she's cleaned out the the contraption. We're concerned about the contraption in the hall closet, Heidi. The one Oh my that... god, I was just cleaning that. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to take a little bit of work though, I think. <laughs> well, that seems to be the end of the segment right there. <laughs> That's it. That's I all think, you wanted to know? I think that's about it. <laughs> I contemplated cleaning it, though, because we're getting more honey next week. So I was like, maybe I'll just leave it and then clean it after that. But I think I should clean it in between extractions. <laughs> well, after 20-some-odd minutes, that seems to be... <laughs> 
Thank you, Heidi. Oh, we should have. Next time we'll bring you some honey. I didn't think about that. <laughs> I would love to have some honey. Yeah. Can you take it back? I think you can take it back, right? Ask if there'll be worms in it. Mm, then have to have a smaller container. <laughs> And 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 were you were there any little like larvae in the thing when you cleaned it? Nope, nothing. See, see, Jillian. Yeah, I just got to deal with that. Everything's all good now. Whew. How yep, apropos? It's all good now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well. <laughs> thanks, Heidi. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Do you know how long it's been in the hot closet? Months. No, I kind of figured that. <laughs> you know what's been on my mind, Janice? Plated. You know why? Because last night's meal was, in a word, delicious. It was good. Look how envious you are. It was delicious. And you know what? They wrote this in the copy. They say, and you can do it in the kitchen tonight again, which I kind of like the double entendre. I like the copy and I like the food. I'm just going completely off piece here. You know why? Because I feel like I've done this spot enough that I can do it better. Yes. I can do it better. Yes. So guess what you're going to do, people? You're going to go to plated.com slash Jillian, and here's why. Because they've got chefs that design recipes for you. And then they're such badasses, they deliver it all right to your door. Could be meat. It could be fish, could be chicken, could be veggies, it could be spices. It's everything you need. It comes in a refrigerated box. It'll stay good until midnight. Freaking thing. You can prepare them all in 30 minutes or less. It's awesome. So guess what you're going to do? You're going to hurry over to plated.com slash Jillian, and you're going to get a free dinner for two. That's cool. A free dinner for two. Plated.com slash Jillian. That's plated.com slash Jillian. All right, guys, it's Mother's Day. You know what to do. Get mom flowers. Books.com, as in bouquet people, they have the most gorgeous flowers. And a part of the reason is because they're grown at eco-friendly farms on the side of a volcano, which makes the blooms larger and more vibrant. Kind of a really cool thing. So you can feel good about the planet, and you can feel good about your purchase. These guys deliver anywhere in the U.S. Order today. Gorgeous flowers from books.com really say, honestly, thanks, Mom. I love you. I'm thinking about you. All this gorgeousness, not much cost. Books prices start at a mere $40, people. No upcharges, no extra fees. Even the delivery is absolutely free when you register with Books. And listeners of our show are going to save 20% off the bouquet of your choice. So go to books.com, enter the promo code J-I-L-L-I-A-N, that's B-O-U-Q-S dot C-O-M, promo code my name, books.com, promo code Jillian. All right, uh, we are back and we have a very special guest, Jillian. Uh, is have Jay on? JD, are you there? Yes, Jillian. Hi, buddy. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I am good, my friend. Um, boy, this is going to be really exciting, I think, for our listeners. Uh, this gentleman on the phone, his name is J.D. Roth, and he is here to talk about his new book called The Big Fat Truth. But before we get into that, I should tell you what makes him so special. Um, I owe uh, my career to this guy. This guy is the creator of The Biggest Loser. He's the executive producer. He was the guy 
hands-on. He was the animal that was in the trenches making this show. Wow. How are you doing, and, dude? And I owe my career to you because oh, yeah. if you weren't on it, it would have never been as good. <laughs> sure. Thank you. Yeah, I don't know about that. but It's true. Um, I think we should have a moment of silence right now. This seems right. to be the mutual. All right. Okay. Kind of amazing, right? <laughs> no, it's kind of amazing. No, but it's very cool. It's very um, cool. And, you know, J.D., this is not the only show. What makes this interesting is that Biggest Loser is not the only show in this category that J.D. has made. Any show that has made any kind of impact, whether it's extreme weight loss, whether it's the revolution, J.D. has created and been behind. Um, and so I'm, I'm really excited to have you on, my friend. And we're talking about a book that has been long overdue, considering that you've been <laughs> in the trenches in this space of health and weight loss for, oh, my God, Jay, what, 12, 13 Four, years? 14 years now, yeah. 14 years time. now. Um, and let me also just say, for those of you listening, uh, Jay is an, is I don't want to call you an extreme athlete. He's a marathoner, um, an incredible athlete, uh, vegan. And um, is just an example of tremendous health in his own life. So this is not a guy that, like, doesn't walk the walk. He walks the walk. And, you know, when the contestants would be out on PCH running the marathon, <laughs> right. he was in front of the ca- <laughs> He'd be running it with them, but in That's front right. of the cameras. And Bob and I would have to run, like, a mile. I was like, I'm not running this fucking marathon. <laughs> <laughs> Are you crazy? He's like, I'll run the marathon. You just do this point to this point. I was no, like, I'm not going to run this marathon. Well, you know how the marathon started, right? No, actually. So, it's kind of an interesting story, which I was, like you, sick of hearing the contestants all the time complain. And <laughs> they would say to me, I, you know, I, I'm just not a runner. You know, certain people weren't made for running. And I got so tired of hearing that. Finally, one person just said it one too many times, and I just... I just snapped. And I was like, you know what? You are a runner. And now all the finalists will run a full marathon, 26.2 miles. And you could see all the producers around me, the network people, the standards and practice, the doctor on the show. Like, oh, dude, you can't do that. And everybody rushed and said, there's no way you can do that. It's unsafe. It's this. It's that. And I said, you know, we are going to do it. Um, and they are going to run a full marathon. And every season since, obviously, you know, they have. And they've, every single person has completed it. Yeah. I it even shows remember. shows you how powerful the human body and mind is. When you think about it, it's so you can be sedentary for decades. And then a flip of a switch, Jillian Michaels says, run. Oh, yeah, and Jillian Michaels. five hours a day, <laughs> seven days a week for months on end. It's amazing. Oh, it, it really is amazing, though. And I think that's what's so incredible is the show exemplified the resilience of the human spirit and the human body. And, Jay, I mean, so first of all, Look, I know what this book is about. Um, I know you and I, I've worked closely with you. And uh, to me, this book is really about the bigger picture. And I know I know you've said it's, it's not prescriptive. It's about helping you get to the bottom of it, get to the root of the problem. And I'm gonna, I want you to talk all about that, and I have my questions for you. But what's interesting is that when we would have certain contestants on the show, because we never knew when you know they were going to go home, right. Jay would be like, hey, Jill... I feel like this week, you know, so-and-so is particularly in jeopardy and you, you need to get in there and here's what I'm seeing with her and what do you see? I feel like you should touch on these points and we would kind of have these conversations about what to go after, who was ready, who wasn't ready, who needed to be dealt with immediately before they would potentially go home. And it seems to me that all of that insight is really what you've poured into the big fat truth. Yeah, well, we all know that nobody needs you or me to move more and eat less. Yeah. That's kind of the obvious. Um, 
But I think what we were able to do on The Biggest Loser on all the other weight loss shows is we were able to compress time. It can take the average person years to get to the root of why they're eating so much food. It's not because they're hungry. Obviously, nobody could be that hungry. So we can compress that time by looking someone in the eye and saying, you know, there's something going on. What is it? Oh, I just love food. No, that's not it. Try again. Uh, you know, I, no, really, I just love the taste of food. No, 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 dig deeper. Dig deeper because it has nothing to do with food. And the problem is it's so counterintuitive, right? The larger somebody gets, the less people notice them, which I find so interesting. A 400-pound person is basically invisible. That's true. Yet, yet they're the largest person in any room. And they're also the one in the most pain. And I think the book tries to deal with the pixie dust that was designed by you and me and Bob that we would sprinkle over these people to help them get to the root of their problems. The same inspirational speeches and motivational tools and proprietary ways that we would do that, I tried to put in the book. It's an anti-diet book. As you know, I don't believe in diets. Right. You know, I love it because you've got simple principles to help them accomplish their goals. And the first one, identify the problem. And, you know, do you think that they can do that without yeah, somebody I mean, holding look, up that mirror? How? Simplicity, simplicity in identifying the problem is, hey, I'm overweight. I've lost the ability to do a lot of things in my life, and I want to get it back. That's, that's, a, that's a simple you know, way to put it. Right. Uh, and, and step two, it gets more complicated. It's like, okay, we'll make a list of what you need to do. Well, part of that list is the mirror. It's I have to look in myself and find out what the real reason is. As soon as people get to that step, they take one look in that mirror and they go, oh, and they look away. Yeah. And then that, they stop there. When the third step is the only one that matters, and it's the final step, which is now you have to go do it. Right. You have to do the work. You have to stop talking about it. You have to stop starting a diet on Monday because every start of anything always has a stop. When I start my run, I'm going to stop running. When I start my diet, I'm going to stop it. This is not about a diet. And once you change your life and change the way you think, your body will always follow that. That's, you know how you and I used to say, uh, tears weigh more than fat. Yeah. And when you get to those emotional places, it's amazing how quickly your body responds. Tell me something. I mean, do you think this book is going to make people uncomfortable because looking at the the root of these matters is painful, right? It is it is yeah. uncomfortable as putting it lightly. Um, and I mean, how do you think, how do you tell people that they are strong enough to get through that? I mean, that's been a huge challenge is like, listen, nobody wants to uproot the issues. And yet, right. you know, and you're asking them to look at the things that are probably some of the most painful things that have ever happened or that they've contributed to, which is even more uncomfortable, is the fact that they've contributed to them. Well, every single extraordinary thing that's been done in the world has been done by someone ordinary. And I, like I fully that. believe that. It's not as if you're born extraordinary. We're all born the same way. So what makes an ordinary person become extraordinary? And I think those are the tools that are inside the book to help you. Extraordinary doesn't mean that you, you know, painted the 16th chapel. Extraordinary means you got control of your life and you took your happiness as something that was important and you stopped. I always say the people that you and I work with, um, imagine them in a room with a hundred light switches okay. and one by one they turn them all out and until they accept less in every area of their life and then they're sitting in a dark room and now they can't even see the switches that they turned off. And you and I would go in there with a flashlight. 
Yeah. We wouldn't just turn the switches on. We'd go in there with the flashlight and show them the way back to the light switch, and then we'd make them turn each one on one at a time until the room had light in it again. And not everybody has that kind of support system at home, and not everybody wants to be on a reality show, and I can't blame them. <laughs> so I'm trying in the book to try to put the way that we would walk in with that flashlight and walk them through the steps and the process. You know, what are your chances of losing weight if you do it silently? That's A. Yeah. Or B, if you wear a shirt to work every day that says, in 2016, I'm going to lose 100 pounds, which, in your opinion, would you have a better chance of success? The shirt. Support. Right. Obviously. Yeah. Recruiting support. Putting right. it out there. And, and by the way, implying that you need help. Letting people know where you're at. the show is. Yeah. It's the shirt. So you can effectively replicate that in your regular life. I mean, obviously, if you don't want to wear a shirt, you can go to your social media. You can tell your whole family on Thanksgiving Day that, you're going to, that this is what you're going to do and you're starting it. The more people you tell, the better your chances are for success. Don't reinvent the wheel. Look at all the people that did it right and kept the weight off and just do what they did. I've I don't got know a... if you remember this story. Oh, no, go. Tell remember, me. There was a contestant in one of the weigh-ins. This is years ago, so you probably don't remember. Um, but... She was swaying during the weigh-in, in and out of oh, the shot. One? So I hit a button, and I say, hey, can you tell her to st- – I can't remember her name. Can you tell her to stop swaying in and out of the shot? <laughs> so God. I see the, the producer walk over, whisper in her ear, and I see her get really mad, shaking her head. No, I will not stop swaying in and out of the shot. I'm like, what is wrong with this girl? So I tell the stage manager, you've got to go over there and tell her to stop. You know, where we are, the producers, we're a quarter mile away from the gym. So I get mad, (laughs) and I walk down to that gym. I'm going to tell her myself. Who's she to tell people she's not going to, you know, do that? You know what she said to me? What? I did the calculations. This is such a Jillian move, too. You're going to love this. (laughs) She said, I did the calculations. These weigh-ins take four hours. And if I sway for the entire four hours, I burn 180 more calories than if I just stand still. Oh, my God. I said, you keep swaying. I turned to the camera guy, and I said, widen the shot. (laughs) How do I not know that story? That's true. I was like, let's maximize every opportunity. (laughs) You you probably told her to do it. That's possible. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, it just depends on whose team she was on. Oh, that's so funny. And those stories are in the book. They're inspirational stories that you can read and say, wow, if that person can do that, then you know what? I'm not hitting my snooze button tomorrow morning. I'm going to the gym, and I'm going to get something done. The people that are overweight, that are embarrassed to go to the gym, they need to reach out to every single person in that gym and invite the enthusiasm, that infectious enthusiasm, because everybody wants to help. And Jill, I know you know this, the most, some of the most miserable people I know are thin, fit, and can run a 7.5 on a treadmill for an hour. My mom always says that. She's like, just because they're fit doesn't mean they're going to be happy or the problems are going to be solved. And she's like, and and that's why exactly what you said, you have to get to the root of it. Exactly. our, Our people get thin and then they realize they're still unhappy. Yes, I know. So if you're not going to do the work in the mirror, then you can't look out the window and enjoy the view. God, that's so tr- Somebody was just asking me last night. Um, they're like, did you know that Allie Vincent gained her weight back? And I said, well, you know what? I worked with Allie Vincent. That was season, good grief, Jay. That was season five. I believe five. that. Was the, you, you told us in the beginning she will be the first female winner of yeah. The Biggest Loser, and you were right. She had the drive, and she kept the weight off for years, years. I mean, that's got to have been eight, eight years ago, maybe. Well, she traded on it. 
That's yes. another way to help keep the weight off. And when you become uh, an ambassador for the yes, brand. That's it. And Jay, when that fell apart, she put the weight back on. Huh. Isn't that amazing? So really, she never did do the emotional work needed. It was the carrot or the carrot cake or whatever you want to call it that was dangled out in front of her, which was the brand. And when she no longer felt that her identity could be represented, yes. her new identity, then the weight comes back on. The weight on. came back on. And I was like, oh, my God, she's kept this weight off for eight years. But when, when that fell apart, you're right, she completely reverted. And this is where what I love so much is like, again, identify the problem. And I can honestly tell you in all of those contestants that we worked with, like there are ones that I know we reached, right? There are ones that I saw the light bulb go off and they went, oh my God, this is, this is why I'm doing this. This is what this is providing me. And this is what it's costing me. I didn't ever have that moment with Allie. You know, she was eliminated, Jay, if you remember. Somebody, I sure do. Somebody was able to pick whoever they wanted to eliminate. She didn't fall below the line. She went home. She got a chance to come back. And she came in and was like, I'm winning. And I was like, wow. Well, go beyond that. When she was eliminated, we do an interview afterwards. And in the interview, she said to me off camera, I'm going to win the show. I said, Allie, you were eliminated. <laughs> you know, I said, oh, oh, did we miss something? Like, are you creating your own reality? And she's like, no, no, no. I'm winning the show. I'm going to win this show. And I, walk, I remember walking away and saying to my business partner, Todd, that girl's out of her mind. Wow. You know, and you know what? She wasn't. She came back and she won. And that, that also speaks to if you put it out there yes. in the universe and you really believe it, you can almost will something to happen. That's so true. I, I wonder if, by the way, I mean, if there's any sort of way that she planted any little unconscious seed of like, you know what, maybe there's a second chance in this season in that moment by putting it out there in the ether and maybe you picked up on it in one way or another and when and when that chance came she was ready for it yeah and i think she she had the drive but you know, again if you if you don't do exactly what you're talking about is building building a tremendous amount of support constantly staying aware of what's going on with you what's going on inside of you communicating where you're at then at any point there there could be a regression. People can fall off the wagon, whether they're alcoholics or they're using food as a coping mechanism. And that's what's yeah, so important think, about your you know, book. People, a lot of people who watch you on television, right, they see uh, one thing. You know, it's a one-dimensional thing for them. It's uh, yeah. this amazing trainer who's yelling and screaming, right, and causing all sorts of drama. And what they don't see is some of the things that you say are so powerful that if you pull them out and even just write them down on a piece of paper, you can see how life-changing they are. And so a lot of times I think the Ali Vincents of the world, in the moment, you can almost hypnotize them, you know, with what we're saying and the lessons that we're, that we're teaching. And with years gone by without the support or the reminder of those things, it, it, it's, uh, it falls too far in the distance. You know, Jay, right, I, have that a, been what happened. I have a question for you. This is kind of interesting. Janice had pulled a segment about the word fat. And yeah. I was like, let's talk about that word. And, and, the, the, and, and I kind of, you know, in looking at your book, it's funny because I just got it. And I started reading it. And it's like every fat person, yes, fat person, there's no sugar coating here, knows that you need to move more and eat less. But the fact, like, you're like, I'm not pulling punches. I want to know what you think about this. Would you, can, can you... Uh, st stay with us for a minute and, and um, discuss this. Yeah, for sure. Jay, tell tell um, Janice Jay. Tell JD. 
So um, read him this. I think this is fascinating. um, uh, Being fat doesn't equate to being unattractive or less of a person. It's just a descriptor. And this person's saying that they're um, people see fat as a pejorative or a shaming word, but but uh, people want to reclaim it. They want to reclaim the word fat and make it purely descriptive uh, for someone who just has a lot of extra tissue on their body. So to not to take away the fact that it's. Po- quote politically Poli- incorrect. Politically incorrect. What? And then- I, don't, I don't buy the politically incorrect part. So, my my take is this: uh, 14 years ago, at your Thanksgiving dinner table, uh, the first per- people were always attacked at their family dinners, right? That's yes. just what family dinners are. <laughs> the first person they would attack is the smoker, and they'd say, "Hey, man, everybody knows that stuff kills you. What are you doing? Quit smoking." And then, as soon as they're done abusing that guy. They go to the drinker, yes. and they say, man, you, you drink too much. You need to have one less drink, you know? Nobody ever went to the fat person and said, hey, man, you need to move more and eat less, and there's a way you can get your life back. No one would ever go to that person. It was awkward. It was uncomfortable. And what Jillian and the show and me and what this movement has done is it has allowed that conversation to happen. Let's not be afraid of the word fat. Let's lean into it and use it more. There's tall, there's short, there's thin, there's fat, there's black, there's white. None of that is disparaging. It's just a word. And the fact that the word means something to people is the disparaging part to me. I, well, I, because I think what they're think what they're feeling is that it implies that's all they are, and therefore have no other worth. And that's where I think the backlash. Like I, someone else said to me, I, I I went to this exhibit last night, and so I had to do some press, right? And so this other journalist said, uh, I know you're you're all about health, and and um, you know, and and, and not about the scale. I go, oh, oh no. I, I believe in the scale, <laughs> and yep. I was like, I think that I think that weight loss and health in many cases go hand in hand. But I think you can be you can be beautiful and worthy at at any size. But I'm never going to step away from the fact that being fat, having too much fat on your body, is unhealthy. And that's just a, that is what it is. It I don't believe that it has any merit. Or bearing on your value as a person, and obviously J doesn't. JD, this is weird having both of you be J. Uh, does not either, and I, I think it's the implication of what other people feel yeah, about I don't it. Know, I don't know if you remember this. The night before the first episode of Biggest Loser aired, I was asked to go on Entertainment Tonight, and they were very upset. Mind you, they hadn't seen a frame of the show yet, wow. and they put me sitting directly across from two 300-plus-pound women okay. who represented the Fat Acceptance Women Association of America. And those women were very upset with me. And how dare we pick on you know, this group of people. And leave. There are plenty of, of fat people that are you know, happy and, and love their size. Right. And what do I think of that? And the camera cuts to me on this extreme close-up. And, of course, this is their moment where they think they've got me in the aha <laughs> and I, I leaned in, and very calmly I said, well, I'm looking for the ones that are unhappy. Yeah. And I think there's millions of them. Oh, God. So I, I want to help those people. That was the end of that conversation. It ended. And so if you're mm-hmm. overweight and, and or fat, obese, and you're happy, then I would argue that a large percentage of you are lying to yourselves. Yeah. Um, and, and in which case the other percentage, I would say, I'm glad you're happy, but you'd be healthier and you'd be around to be happy for a lot longer to enjoy that happiness if you could get your weight down and increase your health. And so 
I don't think it's bad. If you're overweight and happy, great. But don't you want to be happy for 90 years and not just 60? Right. I, I've said the same thing. I'm like, let me tell you what's not beautiful. Diabetes. That's not hot. Clogged arteries. Not sexy. Orphaning your kids. No, not at all beautiful. That's right. And that's where I think, to a certain extent, this how politically correct we've all become is is bullshit. We're hurting people by not being honest and saying, look, you're overweight. It's scary because we don't want to lose you. And we think it's compromising the quality of your life. There's help out there. There are solutions. And this isn't all you are. In fact, you're way more and you deserve way more. And that's that's the important message. Hey, people call me short all the time. That doesn't define me. That's a reality. I'm short. Me too. <laughs> you know, you, right? So I, I, don't, I don't take that as disparaging. And, um, you know, I don't understand why the word fat would then fall into that category um, just because people think it has a certain meaning. Um, and, and I'm not really about fat or thin as much as I am about healthy. And, you know, science is what science is. And 80% of the people with diabetes don't need to be on medication. They just need to eat better. Yeah. And they need to move more. How many contestants have we had that have been either diabetic or pre-diabetic that within 30 days of working with us are never on medication again? That's true. So how many people are walking around in America half dead um, when they don't need to be? They just need to take care of themselves and expect more from their life. I don't know if you remember, we did a a challenge one season on Biggest Loser. I think, let's say it was 15 contestants on the first day. We asked them to walk one mile. The first 12 contestants are on the show. The other three people are eliminated right away. I do remember that. And I remember, oh, you know why I remember? Because this woman I wanted didn't make it. And then she ended up coming back. Her name was Anna. And I feel like I was in Atlanta. And it was also like, didn't we have, was it a mile? Because then there was a challenge. One, one mile in Malibu on the beach. Oh, no, that and was with the Tracy season. I remember. The Tracy season. Yep, Tracy I remember. got airlifted yes. off the beach to a medical facility. Yes, that I remember. a mile. Are you kidding me? So how many people in America can't even walk a mile without being airlifted off the beach? That is not the best life you can live. You're limited in many other ways other than walking that mile. So if you're telling me you're overweight and you're happy and you can't even walk a mile without needing you know, 911 medical supervision and being airlifted off of a beach, there's a problem. I actually feel like the bigger issue, and maybe I'm getting too ahead of myself, is that every doctor in America is not required to take any nutrition class before they become an MD. That, that seems, I, I struggle with that. I know. And, and you know, Let food be thy medicine. Whatever happened to that? Well, but, you know, we could get in a much bigger conversation about why that is, because you know, there's no money in prevention. Right. It's a business. Uh, it's a business. It's a business. I mean, and, and some do. There are some great ones that will take the time, but most don't. And uh, I was actually talking to my, I was uh, talking to my dermatologist the other day and she was talking to me about, oh, when I eat this, I feel this way. And I was like, you're a doctor. Come on, you know this stuff. And she's like, Jill, number one, I think the amount of hours we had on food and medical school was like less than a day over eight years. On top of that, it was a bazillion years ago when the food pyramid was all grains. She's like, Mm -hmm. I, I actually, she's like, I know skin. I know this, that, the other. She's like, but I don't, yeah, nutrition is not my forte. I was like, oh, And my how God. much in nutrition affects your skin? I know. Like, I mean, it's amazing how instant. Like, I, I have a couple teenage boys. You can watch when they lower their sugar intake what happens to their skin. It clears up instantly. God, it doesn't so This isn't really, like rocket science. This stuff's pretty obvious. Most people are either lazy or so overworked and chasing the hamster wheel of life 
which we're all on, that you can't get off long enough to take care of yourself. And a lot of people I know that are in trouble uh, physically and mentally, are, uh, they keep their promises to everybody but themselves. So they help everyone. They do their boss's work. They babysit their sister's kids. They do their husband's laundry. They do, they do, and then when it comes time to themselves, they don't keep their promises to themselves like, I'm going to get healthier or I'm going to go for a walk. Those are the first promises to go out the door. Jay, where can people get the book? Um, I mean, you can get the book on Amazon. Um, you can get the book uh, at uh, BigFatTruthJDRoth.com. You can go to Simon & Schuster. If you put you know, my name and the Big Fat Truth, it'll, uh, it'll come up pretty fast. And at every bookstore, uh, Barnes & Noble on down. Um, Everywhere. It, it, it's there, yeah. Everywhere. Um, get the book. It's, it's a great read. And I, I think not only that, what's really also very cool is you get to see all the stuff that ended up on the cutting room floor, mm-hmm. all the conversations with the contestants that helped the light bulb to go off, the corners they turned, what was behind it, you know, in... In X amount of time during a television show, you see one one thousandth of the work that's being done. And that's something that I also love so much is having that insight with with, um, you know, the man who who created the vehicle. And uh, Jay, you know, I you know, I uh, I worship at your feet. I'm so grateful for all you've given me. And um, I know a lot of people are going to benefit from this book. So, well, you know, uh, not not to talk like you're not in the room, but before I go, I just want to say, you know, someone at your level where where you've gone and what you've accomplished that the thing I love about you the most is that you're always evolving and you're always trying to evolve as a better person, as a mom in your relationships with people you've worked with. And you're not afraid to say, I did something wrong or I'm sorry, or, and to step into that and acknowledge it. And for a person, you know, at your level, that's uh, that's pretty rare. So I, I, I love that about you, as you know. Thank you, buddy. Get the book, everyone. Jay, I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> Sounds good. See you guys soon. Okay. Bye. Bye.